Welcome to Gardening Talk, back on a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, how are you? I'm very well. Sounds like you've got a frog in your throat. Yes, a little bit throaty this this afternoon. Might cough it up later on. I hope so. I hope so. I hope I I last the distance this afternoon. I've got some lozenges ready to go just in case, but... Otherwise, I'm all fine. A nice warm brandy or something there just to, I to wish. settle I wish. the throat. Yes. <laughs> what do you got for us today, Scott? I thought we might talk about a, a couple of plants that are in Louisiana. Right. I just decided to some Spanish moss. That's quite normal and it's quite nice over there. But something that Australia has imported to America and isn't doing very well is Melaleuca quinquinerva. I thought we'd talk about aloe vera. And if you want to move your plants around in the garden, it's a perfect time now that it's autumn and it's cool down. And we've got Evelyn from Maitland and she's got a question about iceberg roses. How can we help you, Evelyn? How are you, Scott? Um, we're having trouble the... Leaves are going very pale, and the veins are standing out dark green. Now, we think that's a deficiency, but we don't know what to give them. Yes, that, that, look, that, that is a deficiency that they get. Uh, it's a, actually a magnesium deficiency. A magnesium. Yes. Yeah, so so, have so you, you need to get some trace elements and uh, start watering those around it. You can, yeah. you can also do it just by giving a general fertiliser. Uh, you know, sudden impact's very good for roses. It will also promote flowering. Uh, or you can get some poultry manure as well. But if, it sound, if they're doing that, it's probably time to actually get some trace elements and start yes. uh, using those in the soil. We can do that. Now, the other problem is we seem to have something that's cutting half moon shapes out of the leaves. Yes. Now, we have other roses in and they're not affected. Just It uh, just seemed to go for the, the white ones. Yes, now that, that's called leaf cutter bee. It's a bee. Yes, it is. It's a We're... little... <laughs> We watched and watched, but he got out in the dark to have a look. We can't find anything. Oh, look, he's very, very quick. He uh, just comes in and he, he literally goes and cuts it and off he goes. I actually don't it know what takes they... takes it back to the nest. They take <laughs> it back to the nest and, uh, yeah, that, so they'll also uh, collect up uh, animal hair fibres, uh, all sorts of other things just to try and make up their nest. Apparently they're a solitary bee. They don't actually live in a hive, so that's quite interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I big... so they're a native of sorts. Yes, yes. So that they're, we, I just call them leafcutter bees. I'm sure, yes, I'm sure yes, they have got a, you know, yes. a special name and, and, the cowboys and, of the bee world yeah what we can't get rid of them oh look it's not worth it well no look they're, they're actually a good thing um look i know they're, they're probably uh, harming you know your, your rose a little bit and making it look a little bit unsightly but you know it's great to have bees around they're pollinating oh no no yeah. i understand that no we've we've had bee hives we used to be vegetable growers yes so we used to have hives there to pollinate you know the regular ones, and we've seen native ones that huddled together, but never none of these little odd ones, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, no, all right. So well, yeah, don't don't uh, go killing them. They're they're actually probably doing quite more more good. Doing more harm than good. Well, no, no, the other way around. More good than harm, I should imagine, in your garden. <laughs> yes, yes. yes, I know what you mean. Yes. No, and well, why why only the icebergs? We've got. Uh, all, all other colours, and they're not affected. I suspect that the iceberg just has. I know it's got a slightly smaller leaf. It's a floribunda, so I suspect they might be a little bit softer and um, easier, easier for them to, to do. Yeah, easier uh-huh. to cut and take back to the nest. Yes. Now we put in kangaroo paws, and we've heard that we should cut them back. Now, should we just cut back the flowers to the? 
plant when and when they're finished, or do we need to cut all the leaves off as well? No, no, you can certainly cut the flowers back. Just I guess, the flowers. Yes, just the flowers back. If you need to, if some of them, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, fungally, yeah, or burnt, you can just trim back individual leaves. But yes. generally, leave them as they are. Now, with kangaroo paws, just make sure you're only fertilising them with a, a native safe no, fertiliser. No, we, yes, we, we, he's dug all the soil out and mm-hmm. put sandy soil in where they are. And um, the, that that was. We've just had conflicting uh, what we should do. You see, and we were worried. We've just taken the flowers off, but then somebody else said, "Oh no, you're supposed to cut them all back." And so we were worried we were doing the wrong thing. No, no, all's well. You're doing the right thing. Just, just the flowers. Yes, just the flowers. If there are any leaves that you know are, are a bit yeah, affected, no you, damaged. Yes, yeah, you can I cut those back as that, well. That's all right. Yeah. Yes, all right. Okay, Evelyn. The dwarf, the dwarf ones are still flowering, but the tall ones, we've got no flowers left. When will they come back in flower? Oh, uh, not not till we get back through till spring again. Not till. All right. Yeah. No worries. All right. Okay. Thank you very much for your help. Not a problem, Thank Evelyn. You. you have a lovely afternoon. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. We've got Alan now from Stockton, and his lawn seems to be dying. That doesn't sound good, Alan. Give us some more information. Well, what's happened is uh, there's patches of lawn that actually died, and I've watered it, and I just can't understand why just one patch will die. Well, it's gradually starting to spread. And I've noticed now on the front lawn that looks like there's a lot of ants have been in. In the lawn, these little patches of soil that have come all over the lawn, but the lawn itself, in parts, is actually dead and it's thinned right out. I was just wondering whether there's a bug in the lawn or not. Yeah, look, mate, it sounds exactly like you've got army grub in there. It's it's rife at the moment. Uh, so what happens? Army grub is just the you know the pupa of a little moth comes along, lays its eggs around the around the garden, and then uh, those uh, little grubs crawl in and they eat the root system and sort of the lower leaves of your lawn away. And they come up at night, so you don't see them. They'll go down a bit deeper during the day, so uh, you know they're sort of hidden away from the heat. And over in Stockton as well, I believe it's pretty sandy over there. Yeah, it's all sand. Sandy, so yeah, so if, because they're they're reading, eating the root system. Uh, away, uh, you know, once it uh, you know heats up, there's nothing to you know help the lawn. You know, can't get any moisture out, and the sand over at your place, uh, you know, isn't helping either too much. Uh, so what you need to do is get a, a some sort of lawn grub chemical, and uh, yep. you actually use that on the lawn. Uh, you, you do it later on in the evening when they've come back up to the surface. Uh, now the other thing to do is don't just do the bits that are affected because they've already had their dinner and they've moved on from there into the other bits and they're having a feast at the moment probably. Uh, so yep. you do your entire lawn, mate. Just don't do the bits that have been affected. And then yep. if you want to, you can get some sea salt because sea salt is fantastic for the root system of your lawn. And you'd use that to sort of boost your your, uh, uh, your root system back up and get it work, the whole lawn sort of working again like a, a well-oiled machine. Right, so we use the lawn grub uh, yep. remover first yep. and then the sea salt after. Sea salt, and you probably repeat the whole, you know, repeat the lawn grub process in about two weeks' time uh, in case yep. there's any eggs that are lurking around in the soil ready to uh, hatch out. Yep, okay, thank you very much. Okay, mate, that's what it's going to be, so good luck with it over there. Right, thank you. Okay, thanks, Alan. Cheers. It's a big issue at the moment, lawn grub. Yes, it's it seems a- to be every week we get a question about it? Yeah, it's really prevalent in, in February and March. It seems to be humid, a little bit warmer. The, mm-hmm. That's the you know breeding season. The perfect time for them. Perfect time for the moths to get out there and uh, lay their eggs. And uh, and as well as that, we get a bit of heat as well. So if it um, 
you know, if the, if the lawn's root system has been damaged, then it's not going to, you know, survive very well, uh, you know, once we get that heat. Uh, but uh, certainly it's it's really important to get rid of it uh, because if you sort of just leave it be, those eggs, um, you know, remain in the soil, you know, the whole cycle keeps on going around again and it can spread to your next door uh, neighbours, you know, can all around the street. So, uh, you know, I think that's probably why it's getting worse and worse over time, yeah. People aren't just... Fixing it up. They're yeah, just fixing it, it up. Yeah, and, and, and look, it's nature. These moths can blow around. They can fly, uh, you know, next door, across the block, um, all's well. And, uh, you know, they, they land and go, ha-ha, nice juicy lawn. They must be attracted to bright green lawns, I reckon. Must be. Yeah. If, licking their lips with anticipation. If you've got a dodgy sort of half-dead lawn, they're probably just flying straight over the top saying, uh, there's an oasis across the road. Beautiful. I know there's a reason why my lawn's half-dead. Uh, to keep the army grub <laughs> out of it. <laughs> Paul from Macquarie Hills. And he's got a question about his citrus trees. How can we help you with it, Paul? Yeah, g'day, Scott. Um, yeah, a friend of mine's got numerous citrus trees, peaches and plums and pears. The question is... Um, she keeps getting these branches that are growing out on the stem below the graft. Yes. Is there any way, once we break those off, that we can paint them with something to stop it reoccurring? Uh, yeah, mate, look, you could do that. Uh, the, I think the important thing uh, when you do that is, uh, you know, I've heard the story, you don't actually cut them off so you get a clean cut because that's when it will come back. Uh, you actually sort of, you know, you can break it off or once you've cut it off, you actually get a little bit of sandpaper and just, you know, gently rough up that area. It sort of stops that uh, branch coming back that you've tried to cut off. The other thing you could do, there's a product called Steri Prune. Uh, it's a, a sort of a tar-based paint you can get. You can either get it in a uh, aerosol or you can get it in a little tin. You can just paint it on and that would definitely seal up the area and stop it uh, stop it shooting from there. Right. So it's called Steri Prune, is Steri Prune's the one, yeah. Yeah, look, it, it, it is common. Sometimes it could be an indication that the plant is stressed in some way and that's why that, that uh, you know, rootstock tries to take over on you. Okay. So it might be worth, uh, you know, really feeding up and making sure the plant's uh, well watered, uh, you know, no disease or um, insect up in there because, you know, those uh, stone fruit that you mentioned can get uh, borers in them quite readily and fungal disease as well. So just have a look around that, you know, up in the tree if there's any sap or anything leaking out of any of the, the branch junctions. Uh, just just keep an eye on that. Right, so if there is sap... Um leaking out what should be sprayed on it then yeah look if there's sap leaking out of branch junction that's uh, quite possible that uh, it's got borer in there so you'd actually clean some of that sap away and there's uh poisons you can get to inject into there into the hole that you'll probably find and the other thing that uh, stone fruit can get as well uh, is uh, fungal disease diseases up on the ends of the the tips of their uh, you know of the, of the growth Pardon me, and you'll uh, you can actually use uh, fungicides to get rid of that, and you'll, that manifests itself as uh, sap weeping out as well. So it just depends where that sap's coming from. Right. Um, well, that brings me to my second question, if I could. I've got lemon trees at my place. It's got a a bulge in it with little pinpricks, and mm-hmm. uh, there's sap uh, leaking out of that. Yeah, mate. Look, that sounds like you've got gall wasp. Uh, and and gall wasp is uh, you know something you do have to get rid of. Uh, it'll just keep on damaging the tree and other trees in the area. Uh, unfortunately, once you've had the pinpricks in there, it sounds like the uh, the little guys have already escaped and hatched out of there. Now, the only way to to really get rid of gall wasp is to actually try and prune that out of the plant. And right. uh, once you've pruned it out, you just put that section uh, you know into a plastic bag and seal it up and throw it in the garbage. Right, oh, you've been most helpful. Not a problem, but yeah, definitely get rid of that gall wasp. It'll just keep on coming back and doing more damage to your plant. Certainly shall. Thank you. Okay, not a problem. Thanks, Paul. Cheers. We've got Carol now from Ward's River, and she has a lot of green moss around, and she wants to try and get rid of it. 
Carol, how can we Hi, help you? Hi, how are you? Very well. I think I, I think I actually bought a catamaran from up at Wards River a few years ago. Oh, there you go. Yeah, the it was sitting, lady sitting... on the phone didn't even know where I was. Well, I know exactly <laughs> where you are. I was sitting up in a backyard up there, and uh, Gumtree helped me out very nicely. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> how can we help yeah. you with your plants? Well, it's um, I've got green moss growing everywhere. Oh, okay. And um, it's the first time I've ever seen it yep. on the ground. There's no plants where it's growing. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it goes around the water tank. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the rest of it is grows along um, one side of the house where there's a large garden bed. There's nothing planted there. Yep. The ground's just, um, just hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know we have had a lot of rain, but um, I've never seen it here over the years anyway. Yeah, well, like that. look, it's it's probably a good time to get onto it before we get to winter, and you know it starts to get wetter and and you know darker and danker again. Uh, yeah. So look, the, the good news is there are actually a couple of ways to get rid of moss like that on the ground. Uh, there's a, actually a new product we were talking about a couple of weeks ago called Slasher. It's actually right. a, it's actually a weed killer, but it's derived from uh, pelargoniums, from you know geraniums, and it mm-hmm. sort of is an acidy pelargonic acid. It is in fact, but what it does, and I've used it at work, you spray it on the moss, and it just almost kills it. Uh, you know, within an hour or so, it gets rid of that. So that's very that's good. Weird. Wow. Yep. So now the other product you can get is called Wet and Forget. Uh, It uh, takes a little bit longer to work, um, but certainly it uh, has a good, uh, you know, um, result as well. Oh, okay then. Yeah. And now you used used to be able to get, um, I'm trying to, iron, it's not iron chalate. There's another form of iron that someone needs to remind me about because I've just had a... A blank, but uh, look, I, th- I think Slasher, for, for my money, is going to be the best one. You can also use it on the weeds around the house as well. Yeah, yeah, because I've got plenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> Crikey, it's never-ending all year round. I've got weeds. I've even got tobacco plants growing. Oh, okay. That sounds a bit, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I have uh, such a variety of weeds up here, it should be put in a magazine. Because <laughs> <laughs> they grow all year round, it never stops. It's like... I'm, um, you know... It's a bit like a, a Jurassic Park for weeds up at your place, is it? Oh, it is. It's terrible. I've got a bad back, so I can't really bend over and pull them all out. Uh, After about five minutes, I'm, I'm over it. So I've gone through so much weed killer, and no sooner do I spray, it takes up to three weeks to die, and then suddenly this all regrows again, and it's more more weeds and more weeds. It's just never-ending. Yeah. I'd love to have an excavator just go through the place and rip the whole place down. <laughs> You Look, know? give this slasher a try. We've been having some great right. results with it, and it works yeah. very, very quickly. So it's not so if you spray it and there's uh, you know seed actually still on the weed, it will kill yeah. that you know within an hour or two. So you haven't got that uh, you know problem you have if you've got a lot of weed around with the seed on it. Like if you're using glyphosate, it can actually take you know depending on how much sun there is, a week or two weeks to actually kill it. With yeah. slasher, it gets rid of it very, very quickly, and it kills off that weed as well, that seed as well. And how how much time before you you think it's going to rain? Do you spray it? Uh, look, it works best when you've got a nice sunny day. So you know, yeah. next couple of days I'll probably give it a miss. Well, yeah, this week it's supposed to be raining, so yeah. yeah. And look, yeah. The, the other thing about it is, is it's it's perfectly safe. Uh, you know, to use around pets and things like that. It's, you know, it's, it's organic. It's, uh, you know, derived from a, a plant. Uh, so it's right. it's very safe to use around animals. And where do you buy it from? Uh, look, you should be able to get it at most good garden centres. Oh, okay. Then so what about hardware? Uh, hardware should probably have it as well. Right. Yeah, it's called, okay. it's called Slasher. Slasher, yeah. It reminds yeah. me of those old movies back in the 70s. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. great. Wonderful. Okay, thanks very much for your Okay, help. cheers. Okay, bye-bye. And we've got Barry from Taralbo, and he's got another question about citrus trees. How can we help you with them, Barry? G'day, Scott. Just a quick question, mate. I've got mandarin and orange, and they've been they've been fruiting for now uh, two months, and mm-hmm. they just don't ripen, or they're just hanging on the tree, and they're just not getting any bigger, or it's not just just not ripening, mate. Uh, look, unfortunately, it, it is just nature, Barry, and, and sometimes that's just the, the way of the world. Uh, I've, I've got no sort of um, you know easy answer to try and you know ripen the fruit up on the tree. Unfortunately, it can just be the climate. You know, it might have set uh, you know a little bit too late. Uh, look, unfortunately, yeah, that, might, that might have been the problem. Yeah, but yeah, they've been on there for at least two months now, and it's just not doing nothing. Yeah, so look, unfortunately, it's really just the heat and the warmth and the you know the climatic conditions that we have that's going to ripen up the fruit for you. So all you can do is just leave it on there. And, uh, you know, hope that it ripens up before it gets too cold and that, that sun's gone away from us with winter. All right, then, my friend. Thank you very much but, for that. Mate, the way it is, it, uh, I remember swimming in uh, May the last couple of years, just before Mother's Day. So, uh, you know, it may still uh, stay nice and warm for a couple of months yet on us. I think it will, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott. Thank you very much for that, mate. Okay, have a good afternoon, Barry. We've got, we've got Helen now from Eastern Maitland. She would like to know how to feed her hedge. Helen, how can we help you? I'd like to know what, when I can feed my hedge and what to feed it. So, do you, what, describe your hedge for us a little bit. Is it, uh, you know, a, a native lily pilly or...? Uh, it has white flowers on it. Yeah, uh, now, okay. So that sounds like it might be a marae in that case, and they're pretty common and very, very easy to feed. Uh, look, probably the best thing you can do is grab some cow manure and uh, start sprinkling uh, that down through the hedge, and that'll give it a really good feed for you. Um, when do I do that? Uh, you can do that now if you want to. Uh, you know, in a couple of months' time, you probably wouldn't worry about it because we're in winter and feeding the plants not going to do much good because, you know, the plants just don't grow very much in winter. But certainly, uh, you know, get some cow manure now and uh, give it a good go. Don't be shy about using it. Uh, you know, you could probably use, you know, easily a good sort of bucket full of cow manure per metre. And uh, that'll give it a nice feed for you to boost it right through winter and into spring again. And then what you do is once we get to September and you feel those days starting to change, that's when you'd give it another feed to uh, get some really good growth on it through spring and summer. Okay, then. Thank you. Not a problem, Helen. You have a good day. Yeah, bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks, Helen. Also from East Maitland, we've got Sam. And he's got a question about buffalo lawn. How can we help you with it, Sam? Uh, Yeah, well, I was wondering... uh, it's getting very spongy, you know. When I, when I put down something a small lawn, yep. and it just seems to be getting higher and higher and very spongy. Okay, so uh, are you mowing with the catcher on, mate? Yes. Yep. Okay, because that's important. You don't want uh, you know to get that uh, you know that sort of thatching going through the lawn because no, that, that no, will raise no. it up a bit. How long no. ago did you put it down, Sam? Oh, a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. So have you ever top dressed it at all? No. Yeah, look, it it might be time to give it a light top dressing. Again, do that sooner rather than later because as we get into uh, winter, it's not going to, uh, you know, grow. So you'll just have a really sort of dirty lawn uh, for a couple of months. So just give it a light top dress if you want to and that'll just take away some of that sponginess. Uh, Look, there are other ways to reduce the sponginess of lawn, but they're pretty radical. It's uh, called dethatching. 
and uh, you get a sort of this funny machine. It's like a lawnmower that does this funny horizontal sort of cutting, and it takes oh, away yeah. a lot of that thatch in under there. And I've I've done it yeah. twice now, and and you do get a good rep- uh, you know a result out of doing that. But it's not something you'd do as you were going into winter because it you know it sort of decimates your lawn for a mm. month or so before it recovers. But that will certainly get rid of it. Uh, but look, as a as a quick stopgap measure, just to reduce some sponginess, I'd give it a light top dress at the yeah, moment. So- it's only a very small lawn, you know. Yeah, so look, get 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 a you know some sandy. What you want is some sandy loam, or if you go into your local landscape supplier, usually they've got a, a top dress, and it's usually based uh, on a sandy loam with some poultry manure in it, and that gives you a nice firm base for the lawn again. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot for Excellent. that. That's Not all a, I wanted to know. Okay. Don't go. Don't go too heavy with it, mate. Just a, a nice light smear at this time of year. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Sam. Right, uh, thank you. Cheers. Yeah. I'm, I'm a poet, and I didn't know it. I just used year and smear in the same oh, sentence. I was very impressed with just using the word smear. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that, and it just came out. <laughs> now, Scott, you mentioned something a little bit earlier in the hour about Louisiana. Yes. I thought we'd talk about some of the, a couple of plants of Louisiana, yep. uh, because they're really easy to look after, the one I'm thinking about, but there is a plant that Australia has imported, or well, someone right. actually from America took over there uh, to use, and it, uh, it's not very good over there oh, in the bayou. That's always the blue bayou? Yes. Oh, that's always the way, though, isn't it, when someone takes another plant to somewhere else? Yes. It never quite works out. It doesn't, and uh, animals and stuff like that as well. Mm. Yeah. Prickly pear, rabbits. Cane toads. Cane toads. And we've got foxes and everything, so it's like you bring in one, and then the next one comes along, and it all goes pear-shaped. And then you've got to bring in something else to get rid of that. Yep. Just a never-ending cycle. Actually, I saw there was a warning the other day that they're uh, letting out some sort of uh, new Kalitsi virus. So people, they were saying, keep your pet rabbits locked yeah, up. Yeah, I think we spoke, I spoke about that on Wednesday. Well, oh. I didn't speak about oh, it. Oh, okay. Some, the, the expert. The expert did. <laughs> I did. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Uh, so look, yeah, Spanish moss. Everyone's probably seen it around. It's a pretty versatile sort of plant. It's actually uh, uh, an epiphyllite. It's uh, from Argentina, from, uh, you know, down in that Southern American area. Yep. It actually is native up into Louisiana and the bayous. And it's that, that iconic picture that you see, you know, sort of the, the old man's beard hanging down from the trees <laughs> into the water. And it is a very easy plant to have. You can just have it in the understory of your garden if you want to. Uh, I've got it growing out in a fairly hot sun at my place, but it does a little bit better where there's some shade. I remember uh, walking around uh, for some reason one night over in Katara and the full moon was out and I walked past this house and there was this beautiful Spanish moss just hanging down around near Westfield over there uh, in a house hanging down from the tree and the, and the light of the moon on the Spanish moss was just amazing. It sort of was almost glowing iridescent back out at me. So Spanish moss is a really easy thing to grow. You just toss some over your tree and it just it's an air plant. That's what people call them commonly. Uh, you know, they, you don't have to uh, uh, water them. You can give them a splash if you want to or a gentle mist. But generally, when they're outside in the humidity, uh, you know, in the rain, they look after themselves. And, uh, you know, they, the root system or, you know, what they have is just to cling on to the trees. But usually I just drape them over the branch of the tree yeah. and off they go. Very good. So, yeah, so that's a, a good thing that's, uh, I guess, come out of Louisiana. Yeah. But we've sent something bad to uh, Mr. Trump's homeland. I did like the description, though. It was very James Joyce of you, your description. Oh, thank you. Quite nice. Thank you. I've never read any of that, but uh, a bit highfalutin, but you're talking the talk. Uh, and look, something we've sent back to Mr. Trump's homeland is Melaleuca quinquinerva paperbark tree. 
Right. Uh, so you often see it around, you know, planted in the, uh, you know, the nature strips here, even around Newcastle. And in Newcastle, you can see they actually will get quite wide. I'm pretty sure they're taking them out of the nature strips here because they can do some damage. Yep. But uh, someone came up uh, with a bright idea that they'd be a great, uh, uh, you know, plant to uh, get the oils and things out of uh, in America. Mm. And they also thought, well, you know, we can plant them in the bayou and use it to soak up the water and then we can turn it into farmland and, and pasture land. I didn't know it worked out. It worked out really, really well oh. to the point where the Melaleuca quinquinerva is now a noxious weed in Louisiana. Uh, it has just taken over because it's lots and lots of water there to soak oh. up and so it's just choked up the waterways there, uh, you know, completely destroying the ecosystem and it's just something that they almost can't control. Uh, you know, it's down there in, in Florida and Louisiana, it's just been the perfect uh, you know, climate for them, water, and they've just taken off. So, uh, unfortunately, Australia has uh, sent something bad uh, to uh, America. Oh, well, it's, in hindsight, it's very stupid. It, it was. Well, it was. we didn't send it. I guess they came over here and, and took it. It was a bit like they came over and took Paul Hogan away from us. Okay, well, that's not too bad. No, okay. <laughs> to be overly honest, it's worked out well for us at the end of the day. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and URFM. We've got Anne from South Katara, and she's got a question about cucumber plants. How can we help you with it, Anne? Oh, yes, Scott. Look, I've got, they were beautiful, healthy uh, plants. Uh, they're absolutely covered in the flowers and there's quite a few bees around there. But all the underneath um, leaves, they're all brown and they've all died up and they're off and there's no sign of um, a cucumber anywhere. Yeah, so the cu- cucumbers in this sort of weather and here in Newcastle are really susceptible to powdery mildews. And uh, you're probably seeing the latest stage of it there when you're saying it's all brown and shriveled up. But uh, mm-hmm. if you maybe, you know, turned over the leaf, you would have noticed sort of this white sort of powder on there. And uh, it really affects uh, cucumbers, pumpkins, uh, you know, th- those sort of plants with those big uh, leaves that stay on the ground. Uh, so, look, the only thing you can do for that is use a product called Mancozet Plus. It's a fungicide. Uh, it, look, it sounds like yours might be a little bit too far gone, but uh, you can certainly use that and uh, drench the soil around the soil and uh, try and get rid of any fungal spores that are there, uh, you know, for next year. Uh, but if any of your plant is there, you might as well give it a spray as well. Try and turn some of those leaves over and give it a spray as well. So, unfortunately, that's what it is. It's one of those uh, powdery mildews that they, they do get and uh, they are susceptible to it once it gets humid and wet, unfortunately. Had such a lot of rain, and I did did hear that cucumbers don't like a particular lot of water. So, oh well, okay then. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll give that a go then. So this is a spray on, is it? It it, it yeah. is a spray. You buy it as a powder at your local garden centre, and you, mm-hmm. you mix that up. You can if you're going to just drench the soil, you'd uh, you know use a watering can, uh, mm-hmm. but otherwise you'd mix it up in a spray and spray it all over the plant. And next year, when you're uh, you know going to give it another crack. <laughs> I actually start to use it as a preventative and uh, spraying it around when you know you you know every couple of weeks just to try and keep it under control and uh, hopefully you get some cucumbers. Mm, hopefully, so what am I looking at? A couple of weeks if there's nothing there, should I pull it out? Yeah, look, if it the, just you know by your description saying it's all brown shriveled up, sounds like mm. it might be a little bit too late. Uh, but you know, no harm in waiting is there and see what happens and uh, see mm-hmm. if it might not come back. Okay, then thanks very much, Scott. Okay, thanks, Anne. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Gardening Talkback on a Monday afternoon. We've got Elizabeth from Adora Creek. Now, she's got some tiny black beetles in her roses. That doesn't sound good, Elizabeth. No, it's not, Scott. It's terrible. I have to shake the buds to try and get them out. And I can't kill them. They're very hard shelled. Okay, so now they're, they're actually in the rose buds, are they? Yes, they get their cells in there and I can't get them out. Okay, so they sort of bore away and do a bit of damage. 
Yes, they do. They seem to eat the centre of the rose out. Uh, yes, okay. Uh, so, look, there are you need systemic sprays to get rid of those. Um, look, I, I'm just thinking, but, you know, the flip side to that is you're probably going to have plenty of bees around your roses as well, so you don't want to be getting rid of those. No, I do have a lot of bees here, I do. Yeah, so look, that, that's a really difficult one to, uh, you know, to sort of recommend. Look, certainly if you use a product like Confidor, yes, it is going to get rid of those beetles for you. It's a semi-systemic uh, slash, uh, you know, contact spray, so it will be absorbed in through the plant and uh, we'll get into where the little uh, so the little black beetles are inside the, the rose buds. Uh, but the flip side to that is that you've got a chemical sort of lurking around in the plant that's, uh, you know, going to affect any bees that come around. Look, the only thing I could suggest to you is, uh, have you been using anything at all? I just use uh, Yates Rose Spray. Oh, okay. Look, there, yeah. there is another product you could get called Malathon. Now, it's only a contact spray, so it's only going to, it's not going to sort of leave as a residue in the plant. Uh, so what you could do is actually get some of that and drench that in, down into, uh, you know, your rose buds and uh, try and kill any of the little beetles that are in there. And, uh, you know, it should go away after that. Uh, you know, it's not sort of sitting there uh, harming any other insects that come along. Well, I don't want to lose any of my bees mm. uh, because I have a water trough for them and you couldn't believe how many I get in there in the real hot weather. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but if I try this malathon, that won't affect the bees? No, so you probably do it later on in the evening, uh, yes. you know, when the bees have gone back home to their hive and, yes. uh, you know, you can have a, a period of time for that uh, malathon to dry back out again for you. All right, then. Yeah, and you I'll just, give that you a try. Just, Other just, than that, I'll just have to keep trying to pick them off. <laughs> yeah, and look, and, that, and that's, you know, if you love your bees, and don't we all, um, they, you know, we love them buzzing around and doing their work. Um, yeah, look, you know, you might just have to sort of, you know, sort of suck it up a little bit and just say, well, uh, you know, my roses aren't going to be absolutely perfect, but at least, uh, you know, we're helping out the uh, the ecosystem to keep moving around. That's true, too. Yeah. But, um, you know, I love the roses. I've put in quite a few, and they're doing very well, so... All but except these lousy little beetles. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and the other thing to remember, Elizabeth, is that, you know they'll probably go through their cycle as well, and uh, uh, you know they'll, they'll they'll go away for the rest of the year. So it's probably only for a finite time that you're going to see them around. All right then. Well, I'll just see how I go. Um, whether I can get rid of them first without using the sprays. Okay, excellent. All right. Thank you very much for all your help, and okay. have a good day. You too, Elizabeth. You have a nice afternoon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Elizabeth. We've got Earl now from Karikari. Here's a date palm. Something seems to be eating its limbs. Hey, Earl. Hey, yes. How can we help you? Um, good, Steve Scott. Came home not long ago, and it, uh, on, you know, a few weeks ago. Date palm, the, the limbs are sagging right down to the ground. And when I looked up right near the trunk of the tree, probably six inches out, there's something eating it right through. Right, okay. So have you got a, a large date palm or just one of the dwarf yeah, ones? Oh, we bought them as dwarfs, but they turned out to be large. Ones. Oh, dear, okay, yeah. Uh, look, the only... Can you actually see any insects in there boring away or doing any damage? Have you had a closer inspection? Yeah, I've had a look, but I can't actually see any. In a couple of places, they've eaten it out for, oh, you know, 300 to 400 mils along the limb. Right, okay. So do you think it might be, you know, even something a bit large like a possum or something coming having... Well, I don't know what it is. It's on all these... Oh, well, possums might eat them, would they? Well, look, it's entirely possible. Look, they'll eat anything. Uh, that, it looks like it's it's, it's almost um, as if there is a beetle because it doesn't eat the 
like they seem to leave enough to walk along. It's not the limb isn't completely off. The thread at the bottom's holding it on. Okay. Look, the the only thing I can suggest to you is to use a product, uh, you know, a, a contact insecticide like Malathon. Uh, you'd mix that up and uh, you know spray that along the area where you can see it's been eaten, and then down into any of the crevices of the plant where you suspect they might have gone and, and hidden away for the night. Yeah. And uh, that, that's go- so as soon as it touches them, that's going to uh, you know kill them for you. Uh, but look, yeah. short of you know actually finding them, that's about the only thing I can suggest for you at the moment. Yeah, I actually sprayed a bit of that um, surface spray on the limbs. I thought, well, maybe if I walk on it or something, they might kill them. You know, but it didn't do any good. Yeah, look, the, the trouble with using those aerosol surface sprays like that is it can actually burn the plant and do a little bit more harm. So oh, right yeah, you always yeah. have to be careful about that and make sure that you just get, uh, uh, you know, a plant, a product that is, you know, specifically, um, you know, formulated yeah. to use on plants. Fair enough. I'll okay. Well, Thanks, Scott. Okay, well, good luck with it all. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks very much, Earl. Let the gardening talk back on too when you are at FM. Scott Sharp, we are almost out of time for another Monday afternoon. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add before you leave us? Well, I'm glad that your your voice has, um, has survived. That's, that's a, so far, so good. So far, so good. Look, there's just a quick plant that uh, we can talk about. It's called a Lizzie Markia Goldilocks. It's a really beautiful spilling plant. It's actually very golden green. It's fantastic as a ground cover. You can put it in a pot and it'll just spill down the edges and you could have a central plant up inside. That's certainly what we've been doing at work, like having a sun impatience with some contrasting foliage and and uh, flower colours there, and they look absolutely st- um, uh, you know, amazing. Uh, the other thing you can do with them is use them as a ground cover, and they just grow along, and they put down their uh, lateral root system, and they'll yep. actually keep the weeds out for you as well. So that's called uh, Lizimarchia goldilocks. It's a really very beautiful-looking plant. Uh, it's also called moneywort or creeping jenny. Oh, it sounds like a bit of a fairy tale plant. It does a little bit, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, creeping, creeping jenny. I don't know how they got jenny with creeping, but uh, anyway, it seems to be... Hello. We didn't, we didn't come up with the idea. That's its name. Thank you very much, Scott, Scott Sharp. I'll see you next week. Perfect. No worries.